microphone uh, icon. Um, how are y'all doing today? Just thumbs up or okay, okay. Um, man, it's, it's good to be with y'all. I, I usually stay off camera. I, I see you, Ted. <laughs> uh, I usually stay off camera, um, but I was asked to give the message today. Um, insert the the normal. Um, I'm struggling with with what our practices are. Right. Um, I say this every time I'm up here. I'm getting tired of it too. Uh, if you if you don't uh, if you don't know, I'm just I'm I'm struggling through um, what church service should should look like, um, and that includes preaching. So I'm going to experiment a little today. So I want everyone to lower their expectations because the chance of failure is high. What I don't need from you is the Christian, but I still think you're going to do good. Uh, because we have faith in you and you have low self-esteem. No, I really need you to lower your expectations. Uh, treat me like a, a substitute teacher, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, and like any good substitute teacher, I brought videos. So uh, if Sarah could cue up the, the first two videos. That's it. That's it. That's it. Look, give a lot of that lip. That's it. Say it. Did it hurt? Did it hurt? Not bad. But I don't want you to. I'm not going to stick you in the way. That's the only way. Just have to say it. I love I, I love the snow uh, uh, weight, the loading from uh, the Wi-Fi. Hold on a sec. Let me reload that. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Technical difficulties. <laughs> Lowered expectations. <laughs> I'm just trying to go with the theme here. I'm, I'm perfect, trying to. No, perfect. This, this works. This is, this is exactly what I want. <laughs> mm. Why is this doing this to me today? <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. Nope. <laughs> All right. Just imagine. Um, man, I wonder just, if I can. You can just sing it, Duncan. 
That won't happen. <laughs> Let's see if I can play it for you. Playing from Duncan's iPhone. Can y'all all hear this? You can hear it, but it's hard to understand the words. Okay, I'll move on. So my sister says, Earth is ghetto. I want to leave. You should see how they treat each other. It's hard to believe. Um, she says, uh, beam me up. Uh, I got five on gas if you need it for me. Great. <laughs> so basically, uh, she's, She's saying she needs to get out of here. You just see how they treat each other. Um, I love lower expectations, guys. Um, so I was given um, Mark 9, 2 through 9, um, and I did not realize that this was an epiphany message until uh, until I started looking up the, the, the date and the... Um, the, the scriptures together. Um, and if, if I'm completely honest, right, uh, when, when, I, when I heard that I was going to do the transfiguration, um, I was like, great, because this, this is when God ascends, uh, Jesus ascends to, to heaven, and he gives his last uh, commandments to his disciples. And um, I, spent, uh, I spent the whole week reflecting on that, um, just because I was trying something new, and if you know Mark nine, uh, your 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 stomach's probably sinking right now because that's not the story, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I spent a, a week, and then I, I something in me just said, you know, I, I should put eyes on scripture, um, and and I did, and I realized I I I spent a whole bunch of money uh, on on an education uh, for a Bible studies uh, degree. And I didn't know what the transfiguration was. Uh, that's a problem, but that's a different story. Um, but I, I had no idea um, what to do with the story. Like, uh, I don't, you know, I grew up in a tradition where we don't follow the church, the church uh, calendar. So I, I didn't know. Thanks, Charles, by the way. Uh, I didn't know uh, how this was an epiphany, right? It, it didn't make sense to me at all um, because all the commentators disagree on what this means, right? There's there's not a lot of agreement um, that this is an epiphany, right? We're trying to figure this out. Uh, and so, you know, um, it, 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 the, the story is basically that, that after um, Jesus has, has talked to his disciples and they've identified him as the son of God. He goes up to the top of a mountain and he flashes white. And uh, uh, somehow Peter knows that Moses and Elijah was there. Um, look, I, I grew up with pictures of Martin Luther King. If I saw Martin Luther King on the street, 
I would not assume that that was Martin Luther King. I would be like, are you, you, you look a lot like Martin Luther. I know he's dead. And, and so I, I don't know how Peter immediately identifies who these people are. Um, but Jesus flashes white. And I'll be honest with you guys, I would be scared, right? Like there's only two people that can flash white naturally, and that's Sammy Sosa and Michael Jackson. Everybody else, I don't, I, it would scare me to see this happen, right? I don't know that my interaction with Jesus flashing white would be to build him three shelters. Um, yeah. When I was um, when I was in Virginia, uh, I was having a breakup with the church, um, and you know it, it was a little bit of an abusive relationship. Uh, not like call the cops abusive, uh, more like my friends are concerned about me abusive, like uh, uh, girl you can do better <laughs> abusive, or like uh, my dude you don't you don't have to you don't you can move on bro. Um, that, uh, so, so while I was dealing with just breaking up and, and this was going to be like my last try at the church, right? This was, I was about done with the church. I, I fell in love with this beautiful church, but it, then it ended abusively. And, um, so I was just trying to make sense of it. And so I, I started to read Acts and I, I, I started to invite other people to read Acts with me to have these meetings, because I started to see that Acts, the, the church in Acts had problems too. Um, and as a part of that, we asked a Messianic uh, rabbi to come in and speak to us and explain maybe what we were missing in the, in the scriptures. Um, and, and one of the things that he said was amazing. Man, it, it, uh, it, really, it, it really messed with my head. Um, and, and that was, he, he said, you know, the issue in Acts and, and throughout the New Testament was that there was a question of whether it was okay for Gentiles to worship as Gentiles. And he said that that was the question in the New Testament. But today the question has flipped. Today the question is, is it okay for a Jewish person to be Christian as a Jew. And I, that just, that, that, that messed with me. And I, I wonder, as I was reading, um, as I was reading Mark 9, I wonder if something similar is going on here. I wonder if the question has changed. See, when, when Peter got into to, to see Jesus and he somehow miraculously identified Moses and Elijah, right? Um, he decided, hey, these guys are the same. I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build an, uh, 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 a monument for them. Let's build them shelter. And we can see, we can, we can infer from 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 context and, and where 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 Peter goes that Peter was kind of maybe May, the, the commentators don't agree on this, but maybe he was missing it a little bit. Maybe he was, he was misunderstanding because the kingdom of God was not about 
this work. The kingdom of God was a spiritual thing. And if you look at the, the verse uh, right before um, uh, verse two, where we started, you can kind of see that that's the thing that might be going on here. And he said to them, truly I say to you, that there are some of those standing here who will never experience death until they see the kingdom of God coming, having come in power. And we know where this is, right? Um, we, we know that when, when Christ dies and resurrects, that he doesn't take the seat of power in Rome, right? So maybe Peter was missing it a little bit. Maybe, maybe Peter really didn't understand that it's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. But I wonder if the, the question is flipped for us. See, because it, it made sense for, for Peter to make that inference when he saw Moses and Elijah that there would be a physical kingdom that would be built because every time that, that Israel found itself in, in a pickle, God somehow sent a prophet, Moses, to, to, to get them out. And it's funny because you see Jesus flash white uh, and, and that came from inside of him. But Moses went up to the, went, went up to the, uh, the, the mountain and came down and he was white too. So I don't know what the soul glow was about, right? Like, uh, I don't know if you, you guys have seen The Last Dragon, but it's, it's about this martial artist who, when he really gets a lot of power, glows white. Uh, and that's how I imagine this in my head. But that, that flashing white must have tipped off Peter that, hey, Jesus is following in the tradition of the prophets. Just like Moses came and really brought the Israelites out of, um, out, of, uh, out of captivity. In the same way, Jesus is about to bring us out of, out of this, this, this hard problem that we have. In the same way that Elijah um, jumped up and, and, and dealt with the, the, the evil prophets, right? In the same way, Jesus is going to do the same thing. And, th and this tradition doesn't just exist in Moses and Elijah, it's Deborah, it's, it's, it's Daniel, it's over and over again, God shows himself to be physically, tang tangibly involved. There was a tangible kingdom that God was building. And so Peter miss misses that this is a spiritual kingdom because that's what he grew up with. He grew up with the expectation of Joel saying that the, 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 the day of judgment would come and that we would never have problems again. He grew up with with the with the the, the prophets of uh, prophecies of, of of Isaiah and and that that things would be made right when Messiah came um, that we wouldn't have to worry anymore that there wouldn't be a problem anymore and he thought that this was going to be the moment that things turned around but I wonder if it flipped for us I wonder if we've grown up with a God with an understanding of, of God's kingdom that is only attached to spirituality. I wonder if we have grown up with an idea of, of, of that, that God loves us and, and that somehow just makes everything better. This summer, right? So this summer I was, uh, not this summer, last spring. All right, so last spring, when 
the issue of, of racism was raging hard in America. Uh, I lost my mind. I started screaming at all my white friends. Ben got a call from me. Uh, Charles got a call from me. I started screaming at him. Uh, I lost, I slammed, lost my whole mind. Uh, and it was because my theology was too small of who God was. And, and, and I got on Facebook and I just spewed and I was like, there has to be a better theology than what I'm getting. There has to be. This is this the, the idea that that um, that there are people in a society and they consistently face oppression. And that there is a God somewhere up there who is supposedly good that has done nothing over 400 years. There's got to be a the theological explanation for this. My God was small and weak and puny. There was nothing my God could do. Right? And so I I lost my mind. And 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 after I I, I kept calling my white friends and uh, I realized that I really didn't have any black friends around at the moment, um, that I had surrounded myself with my white friends. I reached out and I called one of my friends um, that always holds me down, and he always has a good word for me. And, uh, you know, it's a black brother that we would kind of, we could kind of talk back and forth. So I called my, 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 my brother, Duron, and I said, Duron, man, give me a good word, brother. It's hunting season out here, right? They're killing us. Um, and Duan said, man, I don't know what to tell you. You know how I know that Christ is ineffective? Because we're having this conversation. God got small for us. When I would, I would see, uh, on, on Facebook, my 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 white Christian friends, my black Christian friends, the Christian rainbow of friends, respond um, to what was going on with the idea that we just needed to love each other. I wanted to quote to them my my favorite theologian on love. What's love got to do with? It? Got to do with? It? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it? And I get that that um, that as Christians, love is the essence of 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 our of our faith. That that Paul said that there's love, faith, and hope, and that love is the greatest of these. I get that God is 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 at His core love. I, I understand that. But who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? What the great theologian Tina Turner is saying is that the, the receptor of love matters. It matters whether or not that love lands and changes something in me. What's love got to do with it if my heart can be broken? A biblical way of saying that, that I know God knows because it's in his word, is hope deferred makes the heart. And so I, 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 I saw my hope deferred over and over and over and over and over again. And my heart was sick. And my God was small. 
And I didn't know what to do. And I know by the, uh, the normal conventions of sermons, this is the part where I'm supposed to make it easy, where I'm supposed to give you an application. I'm supposed to relieve some of the tension. I, I, I know God is bigger than that, right? But I don't, I don't have really good answers for it. But what I do have is this, this want to ask you to contend, right? I want to ask you to contend with the God that Peter saw. Peter saw a tangible kingdom. I wonder if we need a tangible kingdom. I I wonder if if our God is big enough for our problems. I wonder if some of the issues that we have uh, with with anxiety or I have with anxiety is because my God is so small. God has to be bigger than a miraculous therapist who somehow gets rid of our guilt. Right? I don't want to diminish the 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 big the the big thing theologically that God did to to cover our sins with his blood. I don't want to diminish that. But this is a question of what we are saved from and what we are saved to. If you're hearing a social justice message from me right now, that's not what I'm giving you. I'm giving you a, a message of of what is our salvation. What are we saved from and what are we saved to? Are we only saved from feeling guilty? Are we only saved from the the penalty of doing something bad? Or do we when we must we contend with the fact that Jesus healed bodies? That that he did not just go around laying hands on people and saying, your sins healed. He healed actual bodies. And it wasn't just then afterwards. Jesus' the, the, Jesus uh, uh, disciples healed bodies. They, they, they fed the hungry. They attended to the sick. That there was a bodily present kingdom that, that, that we all could expect. So I, I don't know how you'll contend, but I'm, I want to ask you to, to contend. And, and one of my favorite, he's a Muslim poet. Right. Um, but he has this uh, poem about uh, contending with society. And, and here's how it ends. He says, but we must learn, know, write, read. We must kick, bite, yell, scream. We must pray, fast, live, dream. We must fight, kill and die free. That's him contending with this question. What does this mean? What does all this mean? What is what 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 kind of God do we have? If we have a good God, what is He good for? And so I I do want to relieve the, the, the tension a little bit, right? I couldn't I couldn't help myself. Um, I, I can can you play that last video? Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Oh, Charles, I got kicked out and then got kicked back. And then so then I lost my hosting.
lowered expectations. So Holland is now host. Somebody tell the Lord, thank you. As we bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, our Father, our Maker, and our Creator, our Father, we don't want to worry you long tonight. But Lord, we want to tell you, thank you, sir. Thank you for what you already done for us. Thank you how you kept us safe all day long, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We know demons were designed to take us out today, Lord. But oh, Lord, you allowed those two angels grace and mercy to get up with us this morning. And we tell you thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord. You kept our family all day long. Thank you, Master. And now, Lord, we come here tonight, Lord, looking for a blessing tonight. Have mercy, Lord. We come tonight, Lord, looking for you to show up tonight, Lord. Oh, Lord, somebody came tonight, sick in their bodies. Have mercy, Lord. Somebody come tonight, looking for hope tonight. Somebody tonight is at the crossroad right now. They don't know whether to go to the right. They don't know whether to go to the left, Lord. But oh Lord, after they leave him tonight, we want him to be a changed man, a changed woman, changed boy and girl. Have mercy tonight. We claim in healing tonight. We claim in healing tonight. Cancer, you got to move tonight. Sugar diabetes, you got to move tonight. Blood pressure, you got to move tonight. Oh man, after riders, you got to move tonight. Have mercy, Lord. Bless the preacher tonight as he preach a word tonight. Oh Lord, send your spirit down. Give him a fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. That it is called. Yeah, I'm mercy tonight, Lord. Give him the power that makes preaching easy tonight. I'm mercy, Lord. And we will We'll go on the last mile of the way. 
We wanna die easy. We wanna, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna die easy. Here I pray tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Demons tremble when they call your name. In Jesus' name. We got to tell you thank you for the man of God. We got to tell you thank you. Amen. Amen. Somebody to tell God thank you. You ought to wave your hands. You ought to wave your hands. That um, I'm so uncomfortable with that clip. I'm so uncomfortable with that clip. Um, I grew up in the black church. I grew up with these prayers just like this. And my my whole early life, I, I spent um, hearing sermons like this, hearing hearing prayers like this, but also. Uh, growing up on Aristotle and, and Plato and uh, just a Western understanding of the world. Um, because that's, if you think you're smart, you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to, to philosophy. And, and so I, as I started to grow, um, I started to think that, that these people had lost their slam minds. That God isn't a vending machine, right? God isn't just handing out cures to cancer. Sugar diabetes is usually because you ate too much sugar, right? Um, and then I, I went to, off to, to conservative Christian colleges and it was reinforced in me. This is the lowest form of prayer if it's prayer at all. But I, I, I recently started to question that. Because I grew up in these churches and I remember the songs that they sang. They would, they would, they would sing songs like, I just can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but I can't believe he brought me this far to leave me. They started singing songs like, he's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. They, 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 they sung songs like, um, I've come this far by faith. And over and over again, you would hear people say, you know what, God? God is, is on time, but he may not come when you want him. I can't give up now. The, the, the trials look too big, but I've come too far by faith. There is this contention that realizes the reality of the situation. Look, those people see people die of diabetes every day. 
Most people see people die of cancer. They're not stupid. They see, they have seen, I have been in the room as they sung those songs about he's an on-time God as they watched someone die. This isn't a case of ignorance. It is a decision on their part to live in a dissonance. It's a decision on their part to see the reality of, of what is happening, but choose to believe who God is, what a big God looks like. And that it, there is that it is not just the by and by, which is another song that they sing when the morning comes, right? So they, they thought about what would happen later, but they also thought about right now. And he's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. Growing up in the church, I, I, I was around mothers, and, you know, I was a little bit of a, a, a emo kid. I was uh, depressed a lot. Um, and so the the... The, the mothers have this way of, of just talking to, to you. Um, and I, I tell them about the problems that I'm going through. And they'd be like, hang on a little while. You'll see it there. Hang on. God will show himself. And I hung on. And about a, a year or two ago, um, one of the mothers got back in touch with me. Um, her name was Mother Clay. And she said, uh, you remember all that stuff you used to say to me? I said, yeah, yeah. She said, uh, that's stupid now. <laughs> and I was like, I, I guess, I guess you could. I guess you could say that. It was a little, I was, I was freaking out about small things. She said, it looks differently from this side. And the reason why I look different is because even though those mothers had been in rooms where they watch someone die as they sing, he's an on-time God. They have also seen, as they sung, he's an on-time God, people be healed. They have also seen people come through. And they know that God had something to do with that. And even if God is not who we think he is. He is greater than we can ever imagine. And even when the situation doesn't turn out like I want it to, God has a plan because he's a big God. He's strong and he's mighty. There's nothing that God cannot do. I had the faith of an adult. And I don't mean a mature faith. I mean that I had seen some things over my life that made me continually strip God a little bit more. Ah, that didn't work out. Ah, God, you're not that big. Well, maybe this is just a case where you love me, but you couldn't do anything. Ah, you're not that big. Eh, you're not that big. And then when I needed a big God, when I needed to see God as someone who could make a difference for people, he was too small to be of any comfort. And for me, that's how I continue. It's not perfect. So what I want to ask you to do today, as we, I want, to, I want us to kind of share, what do you do to contend? 
when God disappoints? How do you keep a big God? How do you believe in a God that is tangible, that a God, that kingdom is now and to come? You can get into the chat if you want to say something. And if you don't, that's okay. Mr. Darrow? Yeah. <clears throat> I guess for me, yeah, as I don't know how many of you know, but uh, in ministry, in local ministry, when I was full time, uh, there were two times that I was fired uh, from the church that I worked with. Um, and, you know, in that situation, and I, and I learned prayer in this, in this crucible, um, that I learned how to shout at God quite a bit. And I took my cue out of the Psalms and I took my cue out of Job that, um, it's just like, I don't understand what you're doing. You know, and I know that you, that the world doesn't revolve around me and you don't have to do things the way I want them done. Uh, but it ain't right. <laughs> and God, I want you to know I'm ticked off and I'm really upset, you know, and there's just those times where, and I know some people have been uncomfortable with that in, where I've been in leadership that, you know, you can't argue with God. You can't yell at God. And I'm going, well, no, uh, I think the Bible expects us to challenge and to debate and to argue. Uh, if, in, if the Psalms teach us anything, it teaches us it's all right to scream and shout and, and wail uh, at God. Um, and of course, my thing is just always make sure you, you, uh, you reconcile and, you know, always make sure you come back together. Um, but God's big enough. And that's for me, Duncan, like, that's where that has always been is God is big enough to take my anger and he's big enough to take my argument and he doesn't need any defense from anybody else. He's big enough to deal with it. And there's a freedom in recognizing that for me personally, I can only speak for me. Um, that I feel that in the middle of the yell, he's listening to me. And yeah, so that for me, that's, that's the Psalms and the ability just to be bluntly honest with God. That's beautiful. Dan. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to continue. Sarah. Oh, sorry. Unfamiliar setup. Um, this is, I mean, this is just a very practical thing. Um, when we moved back from living overseas for a variety of reasons, my heart was just broken into a million pieces. It was a really tough time for me and Ryan. And um, then we started having kids and that was tough and it was tough to be sad and, um, to also be experiencing like turmoil within our extended families and different things like that. And I justified it in my mind that like, well, you know, 
God's bigger than all of this. Like I might be in horrible pain right now, but God's bigger than all of this. And in the last few years, what I've realized is I needed to be on medication. And the idea that God would never come through fit perfectly or the idea that God could see me, but didn't, wasn't going to intervene in my suffering fit perfectly with like my theology and it fit perfectly with my anxiety and my depression. Like it all went together like this bad, horrible puzzle. And um, I'm not saying that antidepressants or medication is the answer for for all of the things that cause us to suffer or all of our ideas about God. But um, I think Jesus was so particular about healing people for that very reason, because you cannot, you can't talk to someone about the hope that God has for them while they're not able to walk, while they're not able to see, while they're not able to feed themselves while they're hungry. Like, and he healed people and fed them and did those very practical things. And so like, um, yeah, like how how I see God now out of when I'm not in that place of depression and anxiety is very different than how I used to see him. Um, and that's a gift from God and the medical community. <laughs> Absolutely. The beautiful Mr. John L. Yeah, I appreciate Daryl saying shouting at God that reminded me of the season when um I uh, came to faith in Christ at 23 years old, and uh, shortly after that, I went to uh, Bible college and uh, uh, Houston Baptist University. Shortly after that, I met a woman. We were engaged. We had a wonderful hope and possibilities, and then uh, our mutual friend seduced her, and she dumped me, and it was devastating. And, um, I mean, I was very, very tender in Christ and very teachable, and, boy, I thought God had really... Uh, my, uh, it was horrible. I, I, and, and, and I had to, I moved to a small town, Pearland, Texas, and I walked the country re- uh, roads and I shouted God in the fields. It's hard. And, and I cussed God. I mean, if God would drop lightning for, for saying bad things, I would be a, a, I would have been a crispy critter a long, long time ago. Well, I had to work that mess out. And I, and I came to know God differently and bigger and better. And now I don't, have country roads right here, although I certainly miss them. So what I do is these days I journal, I write a lot, I I, I buy uh, legal pads by the case, and I just dump my feelings. I, I write my thoughts. Thoughts are good, but especially my feelings. The thing I do is uh, I go. I'll something stirred up in me. I'll uh, I'll go on not just an ordinary walk. I'll go on a long walk, and I'll say at the beginning, God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart, and then I just go. And I expect you to. He does. He speaks to my heart. Uh, the other thing is, I forget how far I've come because I'm in the middle of this, yeah. digging this long, crazy, difficult, complicated ditch. And I forget how long the last 40 years I've come. Uh, I, uh, I'm involved in Workhouse Anonymous, and I, and when I talk with newcomers, uh, and they're they're really uh, green and they're really in much pain, and and I talk to them, and I'm amazed at how far I've come in three years with them. Yeah. So, so context. The other thing that yeah. I do on a regular basis to the context is uh, Christian biographies. Every Sunday, uh, I watch uh, a Christian biography on YouTube and there's dozens of them. And do I read a book that gives context that God yeah. did amazing things in that, that over that person's many decades. And I went, well, that's a big God. I can trust that great big 
amazing God, and that yeah. person had Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is um, is uh, you talk about a bit, uh, is, is the six blind men and the elephant. You know, uh, I have been at, at, at uh, I have been a Baptist. I've been a Presbyterian. I've been in New Age. I have been in many different. And, and all that is is six different blind men seeing the same elephant. And if I and I've been the only white man a black church twice. I love it. 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 But there's parts of theology that are just vacant, vacuous. Um, and there's things that charismatic are just vacuous. And the same thing with Baptist. But that's six different blind men look at the same complicated elephant. It's reality. Yeah. Thank you, John.